This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. You have to decide what is important. You cannot rely on the so-called news services. You cannot rely on the corporate media to define for you what matters in your life. Because right now you're seeing perfect examples of how they distract, how they misdirect, how they lie to you. And they don't want you to see what's really going on in the country. They want you to see a version of it that they have prepackaged, that they've edited and concealed so that you won't really know what's going on. Uh, today, I know there was a, a press conference with Marjorie Taylor Greene and the mainstream media, the corporate media, uh, loves to go after MTG now. Uh, this has become their favorite, their favorite news story of the entire week. MTG points out rightly that the people that are accusing her of conspiracy theories, which she has apologized for, she has said she misspoke, she wrote things that she shouldn't have written. All true, by the way. She wrote some really dumb things and said some really dumb things. Uh, but she has backed, backed off and apologized for all of it. But the media has not, as she pointed out, apologized for Russia collusion. Um, and I'm already falling into the trap, aren't I, by even talking about this? Who cares? What, what does this matter? The same way that the, the focus on the Liz Cheney leadership struggle, I mean, this is like Beltway Kremlinology stuff. So I'll talk about it insofar as some people care, but does it really matter? It matters the same way a baseball team that you like winning matters. It matters the same way that, you know, finding out the receipts that a movie has made over a weekend matters. It's interesting, maybe, but it doesn't change anything about your life. It doesn't affect the chances of you living your fullest, freest life where you can pursue happiness to the greatest degree because that's under threat these days. Everything this Biden administration is doing, while they want us to look at MTG, while they want us to be distracted by things that just don't really matter, and they also want us to be frightened, of course, everything that the Biden administration has done so far since coming into office has been a bad idea. I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what's, uh, you know, the, the only things you could point to some of the COVID relief, some of the vaccine money. Republicans have wanted to do that for six months. It's not new. Those things were already decided. Why have we waited to this point? Well, because now Democrats are on the precipice of getting their $1.9 trillion of spending. That's going to include a whole lot of things that have absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19 relief. But there's something else that's happening in the background of all of this. And, and I, I think it's one of the most important stories of the entire week and have to give full credit to Tucker Carlson and his show for bringing it to the public's attention. I've been warning you for many months now, in fact, going back for years, that private uh, private corporations that have adopted the ideology of wokeness are going to find ways to hyper politicize our society and to punish heretics, to punish people who, who are guilty of wrong things. This is this is a a plan that has been a long time in the making. And Tucker's show pointed out last night uh, that Bank of America, which is one of the largest banks in the country, one of the largest banks in the world. Bank of America decided to voluntarily without as as far as we know, without having any 
actual uh, court process or, or any due process whatsoever for its customers just hand over data on people who were in and around D.C. on January 6th to try to find these domestic terrorists that we're always hearing about. And we'll get more into, into that story in a bit, but uh, and, and how they're clearly inflating this. I've been saying that all along and calling this an insurrection, a coup to overthrow the government. This is madness, but and it's intentional. They're doing this on purpose. They're lying about the severity of this on purpose. Yes, it was a riot. Riots are bad. Democrats riot all the time and say it's just fine. It was mostly peaceful. We know. We know they have no standards about this. We know there's no ethics or honor they bring to the conversation. But Bank of America giving the data on its customers, and we're talking about things like buying a sandwich, staying in a hotel. They're just going to hand that over to federal law enforcement so that you can have, if you're one of their customers, your, your life combed through. And then they even went and talked to somebody based upon this data who hadn't done anything wrong. Think about if you apply this logic now that companies no longer believe in customer confidentiality and they're going to try to hide behind. Oh, we comply with all laws. No, this is voluntary. This is this is making a decision that you're trying to put your hand on the scale for one side. And this is a, uh, and a clearly political question. Who else can do this? How long do you think it is before Google decides that the public needs to know a presidential candidate on, of course, on the right, a conservative or a Republican, their search history for the last 10 years. You know, they ask for your tax returns. Why not see your search history? Everything you've searched for for the last 10 years. You don't think they can do it? They can do it in a heartbeat. They have that data. In fact, they package and sell that data. So, you know, every anxiety that somebody's ever had, every search they've done for, you know, therapists or for, a, you know, a, a special cream to help with an itch somewhere, whatever it may be, it's online. They've got it. And they may decide that, you know, for full transparency, they want the public. Oh, they won't do this. Why? What do you what do you think will stop them? Or even if they just had a a leak from one of these companies. I mean, when you have Internet service providers, banks, uh, you know, credit card processors, uh, Amazon Web Services, when you see the, the primary nodes of control in our day to day lives have been seized, these institutions have been seized and are run by woke lunatics now. They may not necessarily have their their name on the door of the CEO or the CFO, but the companies will still do the bidding of the lunatic, you know, 30 year olds who watch MSNBC for four hours a night and really think that men who become transgender women don't have an advantage over women in sports because they've been trained to think that they really think that wearing two masks is clearly better than one, even though apparently almost nobody in the medical establishment thought of that until five minutes ago. And oh, by the way, I'm going to be wearing three masks because I'm the real deal. Make it five masks. I'm a quintuple masker. What now? Those people who believe that, who have no ability to discern for themselves, who have neither knowledge nor wisdom, 
who have just gone through life in some pathetic, cowardly box checking exercise for the approval of their peers, who have never stood for anything on principle, who have never believed in anything other than themselves. They are now the motivating force behind the actions that these incredibly powerful uh, corporations are taking against you. This is all meant to send a message. You understand that, I hope. Yeah, you don't care about politics that much. If you listen to this show, you probably care a lot. But, you know, I just mean in general, someone doesn't care about it that much. Do they care about having access to banking services? Do they care about having an email provider? Think about what your life looks like if your bank were to were to shut you out. If your web service provider were to shut you down. If your telecommunications for AT&T owns CNN. Another thing that actually came up uh, on Tucker show last night, the head of uh, AT&T thinks Jeff Zucker's done a great job. Jeff Zucker is a left wing zealot, a very rich, very influential progressive. You know, as long as he gets to go back and forth between his mansion in New York and his mansion in the Hamptons and wherever else he's got one, I'm sure he's got a, a handful. He doesn't, doesn't care about uh, the poverty and the violence in the streets and then the nonsense and the, the terrors that you and I have to deal with as normal people. He gets to go to fancy cocktail parties and clink the martini glass and talk about how they're fighting climate change. And the head of AT&T feels the same way. And if you stand athwart them and you say, hold on a second, I don't want to be a part of this. They go after you. If you decide that you're going to take action against them, they retaliate, not politically, not with more speech. They just cut off your Internet. I mean, how far are we really from government authorities shutting off your power and water for having the wrong ideas because they threatened to do that to people in Los Angeles if they didn't comply with the lockdowns. And how effective have the lockdowns been? Most, I think, ever deaths in the U.S. from COVID logged yesterday. Wow, those lockdowns and all that masking are working wonders, aren't they? We're doing it. We're, we're doing an amazing job listening to the scientific establishments, progno uh, prognostications and mandates. Mm. Doesn't matter, does it? Has it mattered? I don't know. Think for yourself before they shut us all down. Uh, we, we are in the midst of a totalitarian wave in America. That, that is the truth. This is what totalitarianism feels like. By the way, there, there are benevolent dictators in history, there are people that are authoritarians who start out with the consent, with the uh, acceptance, even the cheers of a lot of the pe a lot of people. Uh, but things get worse. Things over time harden. What you see is that the promises they make don't come through and they have to then look for excuses. And what's the most readily available excuse for an authoritarian regime? Well, of course, it's the opposition's fault. So the people that have been saying what you're going to do is a bad idea, it won't work. They're the problem. Don't you see how this lines up entirely with the COVID-19 pandemic? What do they say now? What is the go to from all the people who think they're so smart? And I just feel badly for them. They're just not very bright. I don't care where they went to school. I don't care what they studied. They're just not very smart. But they, they like a like a hive of angry bees. They'll come after you and you say, hey, look at this state. Look at that state. One had lockdowns. The other didn't look at the numbers. They'll say, well, that's because the lockdown people didn't. 
they didn't do a good enough job listening. Oh, so it's the people in the society, Republicans is who they really blame, Trump supporters. It's their fault that the promises of the authoritarians didn't work. Let's just go after them now. Let's squeeze them even harder. Let's go look for them in the military, what, which is what they're doing right now. Let's look for those radical Trump supporters in the United States military. This is coming from the Pentagon, from the Secretary of Defense himself. Let's root out anybody from institutions who doesn't comply, doesn't do exactly what they're told to do by the consensus. No one really should have ever thought that we would approach a totalitarian America through uh, you know, mass poverty and a huge cycle of violence. God forbid that ever happens. It, it would be like this. It would be people promising you that you'll have, you know, you'll be safer and everyone will have more money and there'll be a basic minimum income for people. And we'll distribute we'll distribute all the medicines you need. Now it's just a vaccine, but who knows what's down the line? We'll, we'll give it all to you. We'll take care of it. We're going to we're going to redistribute the wealth. We're going to have a wealth tax. We're going to have. What does this start to sound like after a while? You know, a very wealthy society doesn't transform into an impoverished authoritarian society overnight. It takes years, really decades. But you can see at the beginning when you're trending in that direction. And some of these ideas, I know it's laughable right now to so many people. Oh, we're not. It's not really authoritarian. Oh, yeah. Say the wrong thing about lockdowns publicly and see what happens to you. Tell them that you won't share all of your data. Tell them that you won't wear a mask over your face and you just want to go about your life as a private citizen and see what happens to you. You don't think this is authoritarian? Based on what? The science? Really? Notice how they never show you this science. Right? This is like some magic book that exists that tells them they have absolute power, but we're never allowed to see it. What's going on with that? They don't tell you. They just say, shut up. Or you'll get fired. You'll be deplatformed. You'll be canceled. Maybe your bank will out you and refuse to hold your accounts anymore. So, yeah, just go, you know, stuff whatever cash you have under a mattress. See how that goes for you. And then hopefully the government won't decide that you're an undesirable because of your views around COVID and they shut off your power and your electricity because you're a threat to public health. Find one argument that I've made here. Find one area where you can't see a direct a direct correlation or direct example of what's happened in the last year. What can you not be punished for these days when it comes to your ideas? Where where do you think you're really safe? Where does freedom in American society truly exist right now? Oh, but let's let's argue more about MTG because that's really going to fix things. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I ask unanimous consent that the subsequent votes be 10 minutes in duration. Is there objection? Mr. President, reserving the right to object, I would like to ask Senator Paul in front of everybody to start wearing a mask on the Senate floor, like the entire staff does all the time, particularly the staff that I appreciate now, the presiding officer wearing a mask, but I wish Senator Paul would show the respect to his colleagues to wear a mask when he's on the Senate floor walking around and speaking. Who really believes in the science, friends? This is idiocy. 
Sherrod Brown here is being a moron, but I know that all the media and all the Democrats and all the so smart libs who listen to the science, they have a friend who has an MD, PhD, MPH, LMNOP, QRSTUV. Doctor, MD, real doctor, not Joe Biden doctor, Rand Paul has already had COVID-19. He's had it in the last two, three months. He is immune. There is no reason. We have hundreds of years of knowledge around infection and vaccination and herd immunity that says that Rand Paul can neither get nor give COVID right now. Now, I understand that they'll point to, oh, there's one case somewhere. There are seven billion people in the world. Are, are we now living our life based on the rules, based on the, the possibility of something happening, however remote it may be, we all have to live under that tyranny. If that's the way we approach life now, you you should never leave your house because no one can guarantee you that you will not be struck by a bolt of lightning out of nowhere. No one, I'm telling, this is scientific fact, no one can promise you that when you leave your house, it is impossible for you to just be, even on a clear day, it can happen. Don't ever leave your house. Bolts of lightning happen. This is this is the kind of stupid argument you get from people. Go well, maybe he still could get infected, and we don't really. Yeah, this is we've now we've now taken all reason, all probability, and erased it. Why bend the knee? Wear the mask, peasant. Do what we say. That's what this is. We have an authoritarian culture that has taken over in this country. COVID was the big wide open door, and I'm going to say it. I'm angry that the right hasn't been more willing to push back on this, including the former president, by the way. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What do we do about this culture of authoritarianism that has now overtaken the government, our institutions, even the very top of the United States military these days? Our friend Kurt Schlichter is back with us now. He is a veteran of the United States Army. He's a lawyer and a senior columnist at townhall.com. Kirk, great to have you back. Great to be here, Buck. Where are we free in American life these days from the woke purge, Kurt? Because it seems increasingly like uh, your bank you cannot trust, your credit card, per, uh, your, your, you know, your credit card processor you cannot trust, internet service provider, you name it. Uh, if you have the, if you have wrong think, you can be attacked. Boy, I, I think this is the time to turn the lawyers on them. I mean, there are uh, there are uh, massive privacy requirements out there on a lot of these agencies. And just giving out your information willy nilly to the federal government is probably a bad thing, particularly if you do that in a venue uh, where uh, the folks are interested in justice. I'd love to see uh, cases in Texas and Tennessee and so forth. Uh, against uh, big corporations doing this stuff. And I, I like what uh, Ron DeSantis is doing in uh, Florida. He's got some uh, rules, regulations, and laws, which I used to oppose, but now I'm all for, because those are the new rules, uh, that is going to kind of put a little uh, kibosh on some of the antics of uh, social media. Look, I, Do you think I any think of that can work? I mean, you actually go to court, know how to sue people, and know how this stuff, okay. how this stuff happens. Is there any real way that states you know you probably heard about this thing that the tucker brought up on his show 
earlier in the week where Bank of America was just handing over everyone's uh, purchasing information to see if the feds wanted to comb through it to, to find the, the, the Trump rioters. Right. Uh, but but with social Boy, media companies I, I, specifically, I think- can states do anything about private companies deciding to play politics? States can do all sorts of things, Buck. States have a, a, an absolute right to, uh, uh, for instance, have privacy regulations. California has some of the broadest. You're not allowed to give out people's information, and yet these big companies have done it. They've done it to the feds. Uh, I don't know of any uh, uh, particular law that allows that. I, I, I certainly think there's a Fourth Amendment issue. Uh, we've got, you know, look, the courts are still functioning. The ballot box is still functioning. A lot of people have no hope. A lot of people, it's all doomed. It's not all doomed. I think these guys have peaked. I think they have gone about as far as they can, and they're starting to hit the pushback, and the pushback's going to get worse. Slowly and surely, the tide will turn back our way. Uh, And these companies, well, you know, I I think they always assumed that the uh, Republicans were going to be the, the, the party of the big corporations. Uh, we're not anymore, not even close. And they're going to learn the hard way what it's like to have enemies. How can we how can we start to take the fight to the courts so that people will be able to get their lives back from the authoritarian covid lockdowns? How do we do that? Uh, that's that's been going on, and there's been uh, there's been actually a significant success, particularly among churches and things. Um, if you look in California, supposedly we're completely locked down. My life is about ninety seven percent not different. Uh, I, I went out and ate outside yesterday. I'm sure I'll be eating inside soon because, of course, COVID stopped being politically useful when Donald Trump left. So you think that we should do in the in the conservative circles in which uh, folks actually have a platform, some reach, some ability to get the word out. What what should the, the move now be in response to, say, the, the military? Uh, and I've been talking about this uh, from from top down from General Austin. Uh, do you I mean, I, I remember uh, the first time I met General Austin, really the only time I was in a briefing in, in Iraq many years ago. Uh, this guy has ordered a the secretary of defense has ordered a 60 day stand down uh, a 60 day stand down to look for white supremacy in the ranks of the United States military. I, I have never met. I keep saying this, I've never met a white supremacist. That doesn't mean that I say they don't exist. Of course, they exist. But, you know, there are also people that are part of weird cults that believe the world is going to end this year. You know, they're known as climate change catastrophists. But no, really, like there are people exactly. that are in in the you know crazy groups of, of lots of kinds. We don't sit around worried that they've infiltrated the government at the highest level and could overthrow everything. But this is this is a real order from the Pentagon to stand down for 60 days to root out white supremacy. Is this a big is this a big problem that we're just not aware of, Kurt? What the heck is going on here? No, it's a joke. But there are uh, uh, look, I, I, I've been dealing on Twitter, particularly with some uh, young officers who have found uh Instead of, you know, effective leadership, uh, sucking up on the social justice warrior tip is the way to uh, get ahead. And there will always be people out there who want to volunteer for the new political officer, MOS. Um, Look, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a disastrous military defeat for the United States within the next few years by a serious government, whether it's China or Iraq 
or Iran or North Korea or something. A serious disaster where thousands of Americans are going to get killed and we're going to be utterly humiliated. Um, and it is the fault of a military that is not focused on winning wars, but rather uh, pleasing uh, leftists in Congress with their social justice antics. And I wish there was something I could do about it. I, I, I can warn people to their blue in the face. But I, I have been seeing an increased number of conservatives saying, I'm just not going to let my kids go in. And if the conservatives don't go into the military, really, who do you got left? It's it, it, There'll be a few, but not many. So I think, uh, uh, I, I think this is disastrous. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes people need to learn through pain. Speaking of Kurt Schlichter, he's a, a veteran and senior columnist at townhall.com. I mean, Kurt, has it has it accelerated a lot within within military ranks? Uh, I mean, you you were you know we oh, yeah. say you were you're Colonel Kurt, so you're a guy who made his way up well, the up, uh, yeah up up the ranks in the United States military. I remember in Iraq, just as a little little CIA guy running around, you know, dressed like I'm on a camping trip, baseball hat, you know, like the guys in the movies, the whole thing. And, and I would see all these uh, military, because I was on all, in all the bases, or not all of them, but, you know, b- bouncing around the military bases. And I would see uh, posters on the walls. And this is in a combat zone during some really rough times in Iraq. We were losing a lot of people and Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda in Iraq was really, really bumping. Bad things were going on. And all over the place, I would see this diversity is our strength, like official military stuff on all the walls. I just felt like, yeah, diversity is fine. Why is this? I mean, this is like a combat outpost. Who's putting this up on the walls? Uh, There's always a small group of people who aren't going to achieve as actual leaders. And, you know, this is this is one way to do it. They get the virtue signal. It's they're completely unaccountable. I mean, you know, there's and, and there's plenty of work. There's always somebody with bad ideas that you've got to root out. Um. It's it's sad and pathetic. Look, the United States hasn't won a war in 20 years. We're still chasing banditos around the uh, Hindu Kush. Perhaps we ought to focus, I don't know, on doing that. Maybe we should focus on training our naval leaders not to slam ships into each other, because that's happened a lot lately. The, the simple fact is our military has become a, a fundamentally unserious organization. And it is squandering uh, much of the credibility it ever had, like most of our institutions. Uh, the military used to be the most respected organi- institution in American society. It probably still is. But when you see cluster farts, like what happened in uh, uh, Capitol Hill going on, uh, people were looking at it and going, you know, something's changed. Uh, you, you squander your credibility very, very quickly. And that's what, that, that's what it's doing. And it's going to, it's going to take a, a complete rebuild like we had after Vietnam by people who are serious about having a military that's focused on I, military. Look, you, you served. Uh, I never did. A lot of the people listening to this served. And and I just I have to ask, it sounds to me uh, from an outsider's perspective, like what you're telling us is that this is going to keep going like it is until we have a really big problem. And, and we are reminded in some of the worst ways that the military actually yes. does exist to engage in combat and to win wars, which requires finding and, and killing and destroying the enemy. 
But it's it, it is what you're saying to me that you feel because there are some real threats on our horizon. We can all look at what's going on with China. There's real yes, concerns there out there. It sounds like what you're telling me is we're going to have to get uh, we're, or rather we will get sucker punched before we realize that transgender policies within the military are, are not the focus that they ha- should not be the focus that they have been. Is that fair? That's uh, that that that's true. The only other way is uh, we elect a president who uh, takes a personal interest in rebuilding the military uh, next time. You know, Donald Trump had a lot of good things going for him, but he had a, a, a he, he did not have uh, the bandwidth to do everything he needed to. What he needed to do was find the right people for the military and send them over to the Pentagon to change it from the top. Because the bottom is happy to change back into a fighting organization. This is a problem at the middle and the top of the ranks. I think Trump's this national is, uh, security the, the picks, by the way, the Kurt, uh, I think Trump's national security picks were actually pretty swampy. And I think that people realize, well, so I mean, the, the, the Robert O'Brien, who was uh, very low key and did a great job. Uh, yeah, they were terrible. And they were the guys who built the same organization. You know, it's hard to. It's hard to have somebody rebuild the Pentagon when they were personally uh, involved in the 20 years of failure we've had since 9-11. And that's frankly what it is. It, it's uh, it's stunning when you go back and look at the people that the president. I mean, the fact that he, he, he brought John Bolton into his administration, for example, that was just inexplicable. I mean, that was that just it didn't make any given what he had promised. It didn't make any sense. I know that there were some advisors around him, one in particular, who was a big John Bolton fan, and we all know how that worked out. But, uh, you know, yeah. we, we we it feels like we have this chance, and Trump spoke a lot about, you know, we've rebuilt the military, we've rebuilt the military. Did that happen? Because when you're looking at what's... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, materially, we did rebuild the military, but that's, that's only part of it, and I, I don't even think it's the most important part. I think you have to have a, a mindset that's focused on being a military rather than being a social justice organization and running around snipe hunting for, uh, you know, the mysterious phantom white supremacists that those, are, you know, I'm sitting there with all these other colonels who've been in, you know, 25, 30, 35 years. They're going, yeah, you ever meet one? And I'm like, no, you know, but, but I was informed by some Lieutenant that back when I was in the military was full of white supremacists. I guess we just, in a military times article that I cited uh, earlier in the week, there's a Military Times article that said that uh, for minority members of the of the armed services, 50 percent of them believe that they have seen white supremacy or white supremacists in action. Fifty percent. Well, all the military journalists are garbage and they're all leftists. And uh, another big mistake is that uh, uh, we actually uh, people in the military actually pay attention to those clowns. Kurt Schlichter, everybody, go to townhall.com for his latest columns. Colonel Kurt, appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Buck. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Putin wakes up every morning and he sees American support for democracy and the rule of law as a threat to his rule. Uh, But I think he's prepared to essentially shrug it off. We talked about Navalny the other day. He is going to crack down. I think he feels he can ride out whatever sanctions we uh, we we impose. China's the same way. They're going to keep doing what they're doing in Hong Kong. They're going to keep doing what they're doing against the, the Uyghurs. And the question for the United States is, what do we do? Yes, the president can say these tough things, but China's also going to shrug it off. 
We're not in a position to hold the entire relationship with China hostage to our concerns about human rights and, uh, and democracy. We simply don't have that kind of uh, leverage. Very bullish right now on China's ability to kick the Biden administration's butt on trade, on diplomacy, on economic, on everything. Just I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, I, I view China as economically ascendant um, and, and in every sense because of the Biden administration. I think it's funny there you had uh, Richard Haas. The guy was the head. Maybe he still is the Council on Foreign Relations. It's like a, a social club for people who think they know a lot about foreign policy. It's really a very elite and establishment place. I was an intern there many, many years ago. So I, I have some uh, personal familiarity with the organization. And here, here he is just telling you China's going to do what they do and Russia's going to do what they do, even with the... Wait, I thought we had to stand up to Russia. I, I, thought, oh, I thought Putin's puppet and all that. See, friends, they were just... It was all orange man bad. All this stuff that you heard, especially the realm of foreign policy about how terrible Trump was and I was doing the bidding of this person or that person. Or, it was all orange man bad. And you sit there and you say, well... Does anyone hold them to account for the for the these experts for the untruths that they told for all this? No, of course not. Of course not. Orange man bad. That's all that matters. That's all they care about. And uh, China. Yeah, China's going to keep doing what it does. And we can't hold them uh, to account over human rights or anything. I just they're setting the table now for I mean, the Biden administration can't get you any results on foreign policy. Right. I mean, the Biden administration is going to lose on trade. Not going to end any foreign wars we're already in. Might start a pointless foreign war. I mean, you go down the list, you say, what, what exactly can we expect from the Biden administration that's going to be good for America when it comes to uh, foreign policy? Well, the climate change agreements. So if you are a private jet flyer, uh, you may have some fun conferences to go to where everyone gets to high five each other about how great America is on climate change stuff but uh other than that for actual jobs prosperity freedom growth innovation security all those areas of foreign policy biden is going to be what he's been for 40 years a giant failure this is buck's first thoughts the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes make sure you subscribe on the iheart app or wherever you get your podcasts thank you mr speaker who's next who is next? Everyone has said things they wish they didn't say. Everyone has done things they wish they didn't do. So who's next? Who will the cancel culture attack next? Former New York Times editor, Barry Weiss, not a conservative, had to resign because of the environment at that paper. She had to resign. She termed, she coined this term, the digital thunderdome. You engage in wrong think, you engage in wrong speak, you're going in the thunderdome. Today it's Miss Green. Who's it going to be tomorrow? You bend the knee and they take your head. You offer them one of your own and they say, great, you're next. We all know this. We understand how the cancel culture works. We understand what it means to try to buy the left off, whether out of good faith or cowardice or both. It doesn't have the intended result. It, it does not mean that all of a sudden they start acting more fairly. It does not mean that they're going to be uh, reasonable going forward. Uh, instead, it just 
motivates them to keep doing exactly what they do because they've gotten their way. You don't negotiate with terrorists. You can't cave to leftists. Same idea. You know, MTG is somebody who I've interviewed in the past. Um, She is new to Congress. She's got a lot to learn. That's for sure. She would admit that. But she's apologized for the bad ideas and bad uh, statements she's had in the past. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to let this go. The corporate media full of people who think that they're really well educated and really smart believed that Trump won the election of 2016 because of some still to this day. They believe this conspiracy involving Carter Page and George Papadopoulos and the Kremlin and maybe changing votes in voting machines. Maybe not. Who knows? This is completely insane. This is this is uh, absurd on the level of any other conspiracy theory that's gained traction in America in recent years because it's totally baseless. And this wasn't a thing that people could that people in good faith would come to and say, well, you know, we'll change our minds as the evidence shifts or whatever. No, this was weaponized. It was weaponized, unfortunately, successfully against a president, President Donald Trump. And there's been no apology. They haven't. They have not even admitted that it was a lie. And all of the Democrats in Congress, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Swalwell. We know he's got some other problems. You you go through all these Democrats who essentially built their careers for the last four years around Russia collusion lies. Have any of them resigned? Have any of them been like, wow, I was completely making this up and it was because they should but they don't or we could listen to ilhan omar who seems to be an anti-semite i i don't know i mean i I guess democrats make excuses for her but seems to be an anti-semite and and she wants mtg gone play 10 this is not about one member This is about who we are as a body and what we are as a democracy. This is about whether it is acceptable to cheer on and encourage an insurrection against our basic democratic process. This is about whether it is okay to demand members swear in on a Bible of a religion they do not practice. This is about whether it is okay to hold an assault rifle next to members' heads in a campaign ad and incite death threats against them. This is about whether it is okay to encourage the murder of the Speaker of the House. As a survivor of civil conflict and civil war, I know political violence and political rhetoric does not go away on its own. This is about whether or not we will continue to be a peaceful and functioning democracy. I mean, Democrats really embrace this whole abject hysteria thing, don't they? Whether it's AOC or Ilhan Omar or Nancy Pelosi or Schumer or Biden, any of them now. Oh, all all the the white supremacists who have taken over everything. I've been alive almost 40 years, been in America for pretty much all of it. Still haven't met or seen a white supremacist in person. Heard about them on TV. I hear about uh, what David Duke every four years. I hear about this guy because Democrats, it's like they pull him out of a a closet somewhere. they, They dust him off and they go, hey, Republicans denounce this guy. And everyone says, who? 
this this loser? Who cares? Why why do we have to do that? It's got nothing to do with this guy. Don't like him. Don't agree with him. Think he's a joke. Well, what what? Oh, why aren't you denouncing him? Why won't you denounce? This is what they always do. You know, I mean, can you imagine? We we could go around. Uh, playing this game with Democrats now who got so much support from the Lincoln Project, which was just a, a bunch of political mercenaries raising a lot of money from from donors who people kept saying that they were uh, that it was a con. No, I mean, they just wanted an organization that would fight dirty and lie about and smear orange man bad that would go after Trump. That's why left wing donors were funding the Lincoln Project. Yeah, there were some very dumb people on the right who thought the Lincoln Project was about real Republican values or whatever. You look at the people involved in it. They're disgusting. And we could go around there now and say, well, do you denounce the the uh, sexual sexually predacious behavior of the founder of the Lincoln Project? Do you denounce sexual predators, sir? Go around and ask every Democrat that. You know, you could ask them that about Bill Clinton, too, by the way. But they pretend like that's not a real thing either. So and you'd say, oh, but that's not fair. Oh, they did that to Trump. Remember? They pretended that Trump's uh, audio with the bill on the Billy Bush bus. That was the corporate media's October surprise, exactly as they planned, doing exactly what they were hoping to do. The media got this October surprise of saying he grabbed them by the you know what. They said, oh, he's saying he's sexually assaulted, basically saying that Trump was bragging about raping women. It's not what he was saying. He was saying he can be very sexually aggressive with women who like it because they like him because he's a celebrity and it was locker room talk and we but that's what he was saying and they pretended that he was saying something entirely different and then it was all oh trump is it wasn't you knew that they were lying because it wasn't possible for anyone to be all the things that they were saying trump was a traitor a rapist a um you know a violator of the constitution out of his mind needs to be removed the 25th amendment all these things that they said it just no one no one has that much energy to be that evil like to do that many. It was just crazy. The whole thing was crazy. But now they say, oh, let's get rid, let's get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Notice what they're what they're really trying to do. They're they're do. This is a strategy the Democrats uh, deploy a lot. They're using the sense that conservatives have that we have principles and we act with decency and we're not perfect, but we try to aspire to do what is honorable and what is right. They want to use that to create a circular firing squad of Republicans going after each other. And they want to pretend like that's because it's just about principle. Look at what they're doing with the Trump impeachment. Look at what they're doing with the uh, this this Senate trial. They want Republicans going after each other. It's a divide and conquer strategy here. And all the while, they'll be pretending that what's really happening is we're just defending our sacred democracy or or whatever. That's not what's going on here. That's certainly not what is happening. And you're also seeing what this Democrat Party is really all about. I mean, Jerry Nadler with his you know pants pulled up to his chin, uh, shut shut down Congressman Gates's request to have the Pledge of Allegiance at the start of hearings. Play nine. And I want to extend a welcome to the new committee members. I'm grateful to be back on this august committee. And I understand and appreciate the significance and importance of the work that we do. 
And I just think it would be nice if, in the spirit of national unity and national pride, which I know we all aspire to do to a greater extent, that at the beginning of each meeting, the chair or one of the designees of the chair would have the opportunity to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. We're all aware that in these times, uh, it's important for the country to see members of Congress working together on some things. And while I know that we can deal with divisive issues in the committee, uh, it would be my hope that we could start every committee with a great unifying patriotic moment. I yield back. Uh, the gentleman yields back. Uh, I recognize myself to speak in opposition to the amendment. Um, it's unnecessary. Yeah, no need for the Pledge of Allegiance. Jerry Nadler's got no time for that. They got taxpayer money to give away to people that the left likes. Much more important. 